at the end of the day, money is a tool and it is really important to, to see it as that and not attach or try not to attach so many emotions to it because mm. it's truly a tool that's going to help you in your life. It's going to, it's something that you need to learn to work with. Welcome to the Alpha Female Podcast. I'm Robin Pino, formerly known as Baldwin, an essential oil educator, blogger, author, yoga teacher, MS thriver, and newly twin mama. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a show that will inspire you to embrace living like an alpha female. We'll guide you to create more work-life harmony for yourself, discover tips and tricks to achieve your goals and dreams, all while taking the best care of yourself. Now, on with the show. This show is brought to you by doTERRA Essential Oils. As an essential oil educator, I partnered with doTERRA in 2016 to diversify my income with them. I was drawn to the oils a few years before when I was diagnosed with MS and gifted an introductory kit with lemon, peppermint, and lavender essential oil. At the time, as I was learning to live with MS, I knew I needed to get better quality and quantity of sleep. So I started using lavender in my Epsom salt baths every night to signal to my body that it was time to go to sleep and the rest is history. I educated myself on the potency, purity, testing, and sourcing practices and discovered the company's heart of gold. So I'd like to do the same for you. I send out samples to anyone who has not yet tried doTERRA oils and you don't yet have a shopping account with them. So find me on Instagram. My new Instagram handle is at Robin Pino, and that's P-I-N-E-A-U-L-T. Send me a DM saying I'd love to try some oils and then let me know one health pain point you're trying to solve. Send me your shipping address from there and then I'll pop a care package in the mail for you. You are listening to the Alpha Female Podcast, episode 204. All links and show notes can be found at robinbaldwin.com forward slash podcast. Today on the show, we have Kylie Marcotte. Kylie is a financial solutions advisor with Wealth Street Financial Solutions. Kylie founded Wealth Street Financial Solutions because she believes that everyone should have a clear path to financial freedom, regardless of their current financial or economic situation. After years of working as a communications advisor to senior management in the public service, Kylie was introduced to the financial services industry and intuitively knew this is how she could make a better impact. She began working for an established wealth management firm and a few years later launched Wealth Street Financial Solutions to begin her own journey, making a difference in the lives of her clients. Kylie helps hardworking individuals and families find clarity when it comes to their finances, improve relationships with money, identify financial goals, and create a path to make their goals a reality. Sharing financial tips and tricks, helping clients understand the why behind the actions they're taking to reach their goals and ultimately achieving their version of financial freedom is Kylie's focus. When she is not working, Kylie loves connecting with women in business and leading the Femme City Ottawa East Networking Group, spending time with friends and family, walking along a beach, or enjoying the fresh air and lake views at the cottage. So Kylie is the first guest in our financial wealth series, and I was so excited to sit down with her. So the reason why I was excited about doing the series is um, I've learned all of my investing and financial knowledge from my father. And, uh, I kind of had this saying at the beginning of the year, I don't know what I don't know. And my husband and I, uh, had some money that we needed to invest and I have always self-invested. So I personally have a TFSA, an RRSP and a cash account for investments. And 
um, I wanted to know kind of like the priority of where we should be putting our, our money, what accounts should we max out first before then um, investing in different accounts. So in Canada, we have tax-free savings, a retirement plan, and then you can also um, have a cash investment. I call it a cash investment account. And so I reached out to several different financial planners and Kylie and then our next guest were two of the ladies that I decided to reach out to for what is called like a discovery call where we go over um, goals and then they present kind of a, a financial plan. And Kylie is very um, well-spoken, is very thoughtful in how, to, how she presents information. So I knew I had to have her on the show. So let's get into our conversation. Hi, Kylie. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to have you on. You've been in kind of my Instagram world for a while now. And um, I had a podcast booker reach out to me and say, like, I have this amazing guest. She's been managing like billions of dollars, but she's in the US. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. Like, I uh, I love talking about financial wealth. And I think mm-hmm. this is really important. But I'm like, I'm in Canada. So I need to make sure I get like both perspectives. So I immediately thought of you and had to have you on the show. Oh, thank you so much. So let's get into it. Um you know, this is the Alpha Female Podcast, and we have a really cool definition that's kind of evolved over the years. So, what do you think of the definition, and how do you see yourself as one? Okay, I, I honestly love the way that you have um, defined Alpha Female, and I think it's kind of funny. I've I've never been one that really resonated with the word Alpha, but I've always really resonated with the word like leader and leadership, and you know, so many things that an Alpha Female. Um, empowers and uh, encompasses. So I do love the definition. I think it really, it really sums things up um, beautifully. And I just, I love the part where it's, it's a state of mind, like anybody can, can find this in themselves and can really like bring this out in themselves and have this mindset and, and encompass their, their, their alpha female. So I really do love that. And just everything that you say about, um, really putting, putting herself first and, and doing everything that she needs and like self-care and love. And I think that's super important. And, you know, putting myself first is something that I've only kind of really tapped into in the past couple of years. And I, I'm sure we'll talk about that later because it's kind of led me to where I am in my career. But mm-hmm. I think that it's just, it's perfect. It's beautiful. And I, I really, I really love the way that you've defined it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can, you know, I've read it, your definition before, um, so the the listeners will have heard it. And, you know, we talked about how, you know, you started off in um, communications and public service and, you know, just kind of left that potentially like very stable career to launch your own firm. So I think that really empowers the definition of like going after what you want and going after your goals. Um, so I think that's kind of neat. Now, uh, something in your bio really jumped out at me and it was that you intuitively knew that you can make a better impact. So maybe talk to us about that. Like why, uh, like what hit you um, to be able to say like, I need to move into the financial industry instead of a secure government job. Definitely. So I, I think I really loved my government job. I think that there were some really great aspects of it, but 
you know, I never felt like the direct impact that I was having on people. I knew I was part of a um, part of a team. I knew I was part of a bigger a bigger picture, and I knew that I was, you know, bettering the life of Canadians in the sense. But I just I could never say, "Wow, I really helped that person today," or "I really accomplished this thing," or "I made a direct impact in this person's life." And for me, that was always something that was really important to me, like having an impact and, you know, leading stuff and, 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 you know, knowing what I was doing and and doing good. So, um, I've always had a good relationship with money. I've always, you know, had, I'd, I'd like to say like a good money mindset. And for me, it just was something that I kind of had pieced two and two together. I didn't think a career in like finance or in the money world was going to be for me, but my partner, he's been in the, in this business for a long time. And when I, when we got together and I saw how his business lights him up and like just the impact that he had on his clients, I was like, wow, this is really wonderful. You know, you can really, really, really make a huge impact in people's lives by, by helping them and by educating and empowering them. And he, you know, has been in the business for a long time. So he kind of like knows a lot of stuff. Whereas, you know, new and starting out to the business, I had this knowledge that I had kind of, you know, self-taught myself by, by just be having a good money mindset and money relationship. And so then when I started taking the courses and doing my licensing, I loved the, um, the education component and like really teaching people and, and explaining stuff. And I thought, okay, yeah, this is definitely for me. And so I was actually taking some of my licensing courses while still working in my corporate position. I was like a side hustle, just as a, as a, as another learning opportunity, because I think it's really important to, you know, continue to expand your skills and, and just continue learning stuff. And that's when I really realized, I was like, wow, no, I think this is for me. I need to give this a shot. I think I can really make an impact in people's lives by doing this. Okay. Oh, there's so much to unpack there. Okay. First, Sorry, long answer. No, no, it's perfect. Where did your money, like healthy money mindset or healthy relationship with money come from? I think that um, growing up, you know, my parents had a great relationship with money. We spoke freely about money in the house. There was never any stress that I picked up on associated with money. And I think that is actually huge on how people develop their money mindset mm-hmm. is growing up, seeing how your parents work with money, the relationships you have with money, what you remember from your childhood mm-hmm. about money. Um, and I, I remember good things. I remember you know, my parents weren't like, yes, have this, have this, have this, but they were, they were like, okay, you know, here's an allowance or here's a clothing allowance. Why don't you save this and go, you know, you buy, start buying your own clothes. And so I was like, okay, that's budgeting. Let me figure out how I can, how I can work with that. Or, you know, they would save up and we would go on family vacations and stuff. So I think Mm -hmm. that's really where it stemmed from. And then, um, when I went to university, I was uh, gifted some some money from a relative that had passed away. And so that to me, they basically said, this is yours. And so, you know, we'll help you, but what do you want to do with it? And so I just immediately had that, that uh, decision I could make, okay, do I spend it? Do I save it? Do I still work hard and, and contribute to my own schooling? So it, from a young age, I kind of feel like I was just really involved with money. Um, and it was, it was an overall positive experience for me. Oh, awesome. Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting to know, like the, um, like the allowance conversation and like when that shows up in mm-hmm. people's lives and at what age and when, when you're taught budgeting and then yeah, conversations about money. Um, you know, my dad has always taught me about investing like from, 
the beginning. And I remember, I think it started pretty much around like university um, in terms of like, here is, you know, the RESP that has been saved for you. Um, and that's when the conversation started, like, how did they save it? What did they invest in to be able to create that wealth, to be able mm-hmm. to pay for pay for my schooling. So I remember like those conversations started and then they, they happen more and more frequently as I, as I grew up in my, in university and then like in my early twenties. So it's, it's always nice to be able to have that. So what would you say to someone that maybe doesn't have, um, I don't want to say like an unhealthy relationship with money, but hasn't had potentially like, uh, parents or family members that have been able to teach them, where would they start learning about money mindset, investing, financial industry, like anything. Yeah. So I think that, um, you know, if you're, if you're listening right now and you think, oh, I don't really have a great relationship with my finances, or I don't really know where to start and stuff. Don't worry. You know, this is stuff that you can absolutely learn and absolutely take control of. I would say surround yourself with people that maybe you can speak with about money. I know sometimes it's a touchy subject in friendship groups and stuff. You know, you have You don't want to talk about it, but Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, money is a tool and it is really important to, to see it as that and not attach or try not to attach so many emotions to it because Mm -hmm. it's truly a tool that's going to help you in your life. It's going to, it's something that you need to learn to work with. And so by, you know, surrounding yourself with people that you can have these conversations with or tuning into, um, podcasts or following some, some social media accounts of people that speak about money, that might be a really great great point to start, uh, read a book, just try to learn a little bit more about it. Cause I know it's super overwhelming when you're, when you're just first diving in, because there's so much to learn. And let's say somebody wants to start investing. They may start reading a book right away about the stock market. Okay. Let's dial that back and actually first talk about you know, what investing is and the, the, the different things that you can do, different types of accounts, what really goes into investment decisions. Before you dive right into it, you really need to build that, that base and that foundation. I think that, you know, um, reading, speaking with, with people, connecting with a, a community that you can really help, uh, build this up is really important along with doing your own research and, and, and stuff like that. But I think that, you know, building up your base foundation is the best way to start. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, all right. There was, uh, another nugget in there. Um, it was, you know, as you were kind of learning and realizing that you could have, um, a bigger impact, was it scary for you to say like, okay, I'm going to, leave this government job and I'm just going to launch this new business. So you're not even joining a firm. You're literally starting your, your own thing. So how is that? Well, okay. So it's extremely nerve wracking. Um, but I have to say, I didn't just jump right into my current wealth street business. When I first left the government, I, um, I joined with my partner. He has a, um, a financial advisory business. And so I joined in kind of an admin capacity to start, um, like building up my, you know, my knowledge and really getting that foundation similar to like what you need to do as a beginner investor. I needed to build my education, my foundation as somebody who's going to start working in this business. And so I was, um, fortunate to be able to start that way. Um, but it is still really scary because I was leaving a full pension, was leaving a great salary. I was leaving 
three weeks vacation or four weeks or whatever I had at the time, sick yeah. days, sick leave, like still leaving all of that. So it was, it was definitely, um, worrisome to jump in. Um, I don't regret it at all because it's, it's exactly what I needed. And I'm so grateful that I did it, but it's definitely something that is nerve wracking totally. But I'm glad that I jumped into that other position first before mm-hmm. diving in completely um, on my own, because I think it would have been extremely overwhelming to do yeah. just that, that run one immediate uh, jump. Okay. Interesting. So how would you decide de- uh, define financial, I don't want to say like financial wealth. Yeah. Let's go there. Okay. So hmm. in terms of financial wealth, meaning like, you know, somebody who's feeling financially free and financially happy. Is that what what you mean? Yeah. Like I I guess at what point do we say people are like financially wealthy versus like, there's all these different, like, yeah, I guess terms there's like financially stable, financially well off, financially wealthy. Like, I guess at what point do you go from feeling like I've got my expenses covered on a monthly basis? Um, I have a good chunk of savings for a rainy day. Now I've got investments for my future. Like at what point do like, do you know yeah. what I, I'm getting? At, at what point are you feeling really, really comfortable and really feeling like, okay, wow, I got this. Like I'm, yeah. I'm where I want to be. I think that's a really unique moment for everybody. Mm. I think that for some people, their definition of financial wealth. And I think it's really tied to like, I call it financial health, just like how you're feeling financially. So, you know, for some people that may just mean I have no debt, I'm paying my bills and I'm contributing X amount to my investments per month in order to reach my goals. Mm -hmm. Some people feeling really that, that financial health and financial wealth may be I have X amount of money or I have an X, uh, X number of my net worth. And so I think it's really um, an individual thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that it really depends on your goals and what you've set for yourself and how, how you see yourself as and what wealth means to you. Mm-hmm. Like for some people, wealth may mean I need a lot of money. I need to be able to have a vacation property and go on vacations and this, that, and the other thing. But for some people, wealth just may be being in a really good place where they don't have debt and they're not stressing every month. So I think it's, it's kind of a, um, it's kind of like an independent thing depending on the person. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I guess that's why, so you like you and I have sat down and we've done, um, a discovery session, which was absolutely Mm -hmm. amazing. And, um, I think it's key that you always ask people like what their overall goals are, because then you start to get to know, where people are at. So yes, if someone's goal is I want to pay off my debt, um, and I want enough money to ensure that we're safe in retirement. Like if that is what wealth means to someone, then you're like, okay, I know, I know now where to meet them. So, um, it is, it is definitely so unique to, to each person and each family. Um, Exactly. And I really do think it is all centered around your goals. Everyone's goals are going to be different. And mm-hmm. so that's why it's like so important to, to set goals because then you actually know what you're working towards when it comes to your money. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's, um, let's talk about like different, I was actually looking at like the types of people that listen to the podcast. So let's look at someone like straight out of university. Mm-hmm. If they had to do one thing, um, to start saving, investing, what would you, what would be your recommendation? 
I would recommend, well, it, it depends like if they have, let's say a ton of, let's say credit card debt, pay down the high interest debt. If they have some student loans that are just a little bit more um, lower interest, then you know put put your money towards your student loans. But also, you can start building up an emergency fund. So putting a little money, bit of money on the side, so that if anything were to happen, you're okay. You're not going into more debt. You're you're fine with that. Once you have your emergency fund let's talk about starting to actually create these investment goals. So whether that's opening up a TFSA or an RSP, so a tax-free savings account or a registered retirement savings account and start contributing to that, depending what account you should contribute to will also um, sync with your goals. And so mm-hmm. there's there's different benefits to, um, to different accounts. I break them down on my Instagram page. So if you're curious about that, you can check it out and, or you can also find that so much information on online about that, yeah. but really start setting a goal and then work backwards. Okay. How much do I actually have to start contributing to reach my goal and start, start making those contributions. And if there was one thing that I could like from an investment standpoint, tell my younger self with right out of university, start, start saving, start investing, even though I've always had this good relationship with money, I could have probably started, um, like full on investing and and saving a bit of money monthly, like sooner at a university. But yeah, uh, and but I that's what like I would I, definitely recommend. Even though I knew about saving, I knew that my parents had saved an RESP for me to pay for my schooling. I didn't understand the difference between my RRSP and my TFSA. So, so sorry for my U.S. listeners. These are tax-free savings accounts and a retirement um, fund. And I remember it was my very first job out of university. And I think we had uh, like the the company paid into our RRSP. So that's the only reason why I started it is because they had a financial advisor come in and we just set up accounts. Um, and at the time I had no idea between the difference of the TFSA and the RRSP. So I, had, I immediately just started saving in the RRSP um, because it just came off of my paycheck and my employer matched it. So I like, I didn't have to understand it. I didn't have to know. I didn't have to even like look at the investments. Um, and then it was, it was not till like much later in my career where I was having financial conversations with a coworker, which is very rare again, to talk about yeah. finances with people that you work with, because, um, there's like a taboo subject of talking about like, um, salaries. Like you don't talk about salaries, um, which I wish people did because then you would know whether you're being paid <laughs> fairly 100%. for for your value. Um, but yeah, that's when we started talking about TFSAs and she started, uh, sharing with me how much she puts in, um, how much she takes out and how she tracks it. And she gave me a spreadsheet that she uses to track. It. And that was my first time ever thinking about TFSAs. Um, so I think that would be like my piece of advice is like to learn the difference between the accounts like much earlier, um, and then talking to someone based on your goals, where, where you should actually be putting, putting your investments. Yeah. And honestly, I think it's amazing that your coworker had that conversation with you and was able to share that in in an educational sense. It's not like a, oh, I'm bragging. This is how much I'm contributing, but Mm -hmm. you know, look at the impact that that had on you. And then now you understand and that maybe kickstarted you for, okay, I'm going to open a TFSA. Like this is amazing that she felt comfortable and open to share that. Mm -hmm. That's really wonderful. All right. So then let's go, uh, like decades later, let's talk to people in their thirties who maybe have a TFSA. They maybe have an RRSP. They maybe have a cash investment account. 
Um, so again, what would you say to them in terms of like someone like me who came to you and you're like, I don't know what I should be focusing on and priority wise. Um, is it based on, um, timelines? So like when people need to take money out in the future, I'm trying to like, trying to ask like a very broad question that might be helpful. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, but I, I get it. And I think that, yes. So basically when it comes to your investments, I always say, you know, focus on your goals, but there's things that you need to consider. Um, and the three kind of main elements that I think are really important to focus on are um, time horizon. So when are you saving this? Do you need this money soon? Is it a long-term investment, short-term, et cetera? Um, risk, how comfortable you are taking risk, how much risk you think you can take on, mm-hmm. um, which is very um, related to the time horizon because you don't want to take something super, super risky if you're going to need the money soon. And diversification, super important to diversify. You don't want to have all your eggs in one basket in, in most things in life. And that's no different for uh, than for your finances. And so if somebody who's in their 30s, um, I would suggest you you put a plan in place. And I know that there's a lot of like self-investment uh, apps and tools and stuff out there. So not everyone's working with an advisor and stuff, but I think that it's important to either have that a chat, have a discovery session, sit down, really come up with this um, goal map to figure out what what I'm saving for, when I'm saving for it, how much I'm going to need for my retirement, like so many different things like that. And when you're in your 30s, that's a really great time to do it because you're thinking about these things. You're planning out your life, your retirement, you're planning for big milestones. Maybe you're buying a house, maybe you're thinking of having children. So just to really have that kind of goal setting session, I think is really important or even Mm -hmm. do it with yourself. But just make sure you're incorporating some of those different elements, risk, time, and diversification. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, so earlier this year, I was shopping around for financial advisors, financial planners, because I was like, I know what I know, but I don't know what I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually like... <laughs> This one. I need to make a decision on that because I'm still self-investing and I have, I have the, the inkling of like, I need to have someone else manage our money. But the conversations that came out, uh, just got like, I had huge light bulb moments and I was like, if I hadn't had these conversations and it was simply like little things, like I had the mentality to, you know, max out my TFSAs and then take money from that because you don't pay capital gains in Canada when you take money out of there. And then some, uh, one simple conversation was like, well, but if you have a cash investment account too, you don't want that to grow too large mm-hmm. because then when you eventually take money out there, you are going to be paying capital gains. So, um, start taking money out of there mm-hmm. from your investments. And I was just like, Oh, because it was just a simple shift in thinking. I thought it was just more beneficial to constantly take from the TFSAs, not pay for capital gains. And I totally didn't even think about a cash account growing mm-hmm. to, uh, to a place where, then you're paying larger capital gains later in life. So I was like, oh, see, again, I didn't know what I didn't know. And I needed to have these conversations. Um, yeah. And that's when you can then, it, it was definitely like dating. So I took you on a first date. I took a couple of other financial planners on a first date. And it's, I think it's like, it's almost like finding, I have a really good relationship with a naturopath. It's almost like finding like a naturopath. Like you have to have to do these interviews and you have to do this kind of like scoping. So um, absolutely. And I think people think that there's like strings attached, but there's not always strings attached. Like, you know, some advisors and and some planners and stuff will give you like this complimentary session, like a discovery session. Mm -hmm. Like 
And, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with interviewing a few people and figuring out really what's the best fit. Like at the end of the day, it's, it's your money and you need to be confident that you're working with somebody who's on the same page and understands everything for you. So Mm -hmm. definitely. That's awesome. So what are your thoughts around, like you called it financial health, but how, um, how linked, um, do you think financial wealth is to how healthy a person is? I think, um, I think it's really linked. Honestly, I think that your physical health, your mental health and, and your finances really are, are, um, uh, interconnected. And I say that because a lot of people stress about money. Mm. I was actually recently reading something, um, for, I think like a post I was going to make or something. And it was at least 30% of, um, Canadians had blamed their finances this is as the number one stressor in their life. Mm. And that's like a pretty big number. And I think that it's not uncommon for people to stress about money. And I think that the, the, the wealthier you are, and I'm going to make air quotes wealthy because that Mm -hmm. doesn't mean like millions of dollars in the bank, but just as we were discussing before, what uh, financial wealth means to you, the wealthier that you are uh, with your finances, the healthier you're going to feel because you're not going to have that, that constant stress. You're going to know where you're at. You're going to know how on track you are to reach your goals. You're going to know what you need to do to, to, to reach them. You're going to have maybe strategies to pay down debt. And Mm -hmm. if you're feeling overall healthier and wealthier, when it comes to your finances, I think that it's really going to positively affect the other areas of your life, um, such as your such as your physical health, mm-hmm. you're, constant, you're not going to have that constant stressor. And like the less stress you can have in your life, the better for you. We know that. So yeah. I think it's they're almost, really connected. It's almost like, um, cause I've had, I've had financial stress kind of like up and down throughout my life. And it's almost like an acute, it's an acute stress that's there. It may be, it may not be something that you can like physically deal with right away so it's just kind of like underlying you're always thinking about it Mm -hmm. um and from what i know about acute stress is that just accumulates inflammation in the body and so even if you don't think it's something that is affecting you because you're just thinking about it but that inflammation is then going to create um um just like a poor, poor immune system function. You're going to be more susceptible to, um, fighting off bacteria and viruses. Um, it could affect like the body and developing autoimmune disease. So I love tying these two subjects together because I truly believe, um, that finances, uh, dealing with your finances, just understanding them, um, knowing that you have a plan to like move towards potentially like financial stability or wealth, does amazing things for your mental health to then be able to tackle day-to-day things. Um, even just the fact like scheduling a daily workout, if you're mm-hmm. stressed and you're worried about stuff, you kind of put those things to the side. Um, cause you're like, I have more important things to do. So, Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think it's so tied and I haven't really heard a lot of conversations around it. I, I should seek out more podcasts around the subject cause I'm fascinated with how, um, how it's tied together. There's also so many, um, I don't know if it's like online entrepreneurs, but I hear so many online entrepreneurs talking about like money as energy and mm-hmm. it's an exchange of energy. Um, so it's interesting that you said money is really like, it's a tool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I find that those two thoughts really differently, like money as a tool kind of takes, uh, the personality, like it, it takes the personal 
like tied to it. Whereas like money is energy. I find like that really creates way more personal attachment to it. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts around that. Well, I think, I think that that could be a good thing, you know, when you're, when you're having this personal attachment, because maybe that means you're going to be a lot more focused on what you're spending and you're going to really, you feel really attached to your money. And so you're, you're very mindful in where it's going and how you're putting money to work. And Mm -hmm. I, I talk a lot about, um, a money mindset and developing a money mindset. And to me, it's like that drive and that purpose behind your money decisions. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's like your belief system that encourages your wealth. And it's been really being aware about where your money's going and um, making the most out of the money you have. And so I think that that kind of money mindset really relates to that money energy, because it really is the way that you are reacting and it, it's like everything that you're focused on and, and your money is really how you're working with it and how it's working with you. Whereas money is more of a tool, I think is trying to take the emotions out of it. And so it's mm. like, you know, I'm not going to get so emotionally attached to my money. This is just what I need to do. Um, and I think that there's benefits to looking at it both way. I think if you're looking at money as more of a tool, it might be able to open up more conversations about money. Mm-hmm. So I can say, you know, I'm less emotional when I come to it. And so we can talk about it in the workplace. We can talk about it amongst friends or I can share my salary because it's just like another thing in my life. And mm-hmm. sometimes maybe if it's like you're, you're more attached to it and it's more energy, it may be something that's a little bit more, um, I don't want to say special to you, but you're just, you're more connected to. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. Cause I, I, um, it also uh, depends on someone's mindset towards saving and spending, I think. Mm-hmm. So my um, my father is a saver, like very much a saver. So I'm very much like, I've had to like hold on to my money through yeah. the, out the years. And my husband is a spender. So as we got together, like I learned to like let go of money and not hold so tightly. And I think that's also a really important thing. Um, there was a really kind of neat phenomenon that happened throughout the pandemic in the past year. I follow a couple of people who, when they go out to restaurants, they tip the amount of the bill. And so if it's a hundred dollar dinner, they tip a hundred dollars and then they write on the bill, you are essential. And that energy exchange I have, like I've watched and I'm like, this is so cool to be able to, um, just let go, let go of your money, gift it out, know that it's going to come back to you. And I think that's a, a really cool conversation that some like uh, money mindset coaches are having. Um, and I really, Absolutely. but, um, but yeah, if you, if you don't have a healthy money mindset yet, or you're working towards it, seeing as it as a tool kind of takes that emotion out of it so mm-hmm. that you can, you can understand just, um, just how it works. Exactly. Yeah. So let's get into, um, because I always talk to my guests about how they take care of themselves. Um, uh, I'm super curious, so I know the listeners are as well. So as you're building Wealth Street Financial, um, I don't know if I got that right, Financial yep. Solutions. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, how are you creating work-life harmony for yourself? So I might go into a little bit of a longer answer here. Um, sometimes I'm guilty of doing that, but for me... So one of the reasons why I left my corporate job was because I was having really bad anxiety. I had never had any sort of like anxiety before in my life. And I started getting um, anxiety, which I did not know at the time was anxiety. I thought I had uh, stomach problems. I thought I had really bad gut health. I thought, oh my gosh, I probably have like a stomach ulcer or something because, you know, like the mind and the gut's so connected. And so um, I was feeling like, all the, all of these things. And so that was one of the reasons why I ended up 
deciding to take time off and then go in this other direction because I just wasn't feeling super, super healthy. And so all that to say, back then, I thought I had really good um, work-life harmony. I thought that meant, oh, I'm going to work seven to three instead of nine to five because then I can be home earlier and do you know X, Y, Z in the evenings. No, that just meant I was waking up earlier and like losing out on sleep. And, you know, it wasn't my definition of what I thought um, work-life harmony was, was just not what I'm noticing it is now. Mm -hmm. Now I just feel so much more um, harmonious, I guess, because (laughs) all of the aspects of my life are really just syncing so well. And, you know, I'm, I'm really prioritizing, you know, myself and my fitness and my family and my and my work and everything really jives so well together. One thing is like, I always have breakfast every morning. My husband and I have breakfast together. No ifs, ands, or buts. Like back in the day, I was running out the door at, I don't know, 6.30 to beat the traffic, to get downtown, et cetera, et cetera. And so for me, there's like a lot of things that I've incorporated into my new routine. Um, that kind of morning is one, having a, a coffee together out on the deck or you know, taking our dog for a walk. She doesn't really like to go walking. She's 15 and she's kind of over it at this point. But little things like that that I think are so important to to put together um, with with work and really creating my own kind of schedule and and uh, work life harmony. I love that. Do you guys actually like sit down or are you like standing in the kitchen having breakfast? No, full on breakfast every morning. So I get up like placed like placemats. Oh yeah, oh, I love it. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, some days we'll just have some like oatmeal or something like that, but no, yeah. we're sitting at the table with our coffees, chatting, having breakfast together. I love so that. Like, and that's something like I was never really able to do. So it's really important. I love it. It's a, it's a great way yeah. to start the day. That's awesome. So it was, so have you been able to fix your gut health issues? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I was, I, um, in, yeah. So t- 2019 bad gut, bad anxiety, um, I left the job. I, you know, really changed my life. I changed my lifestyle and I'm feeling a hundred percent better now. I Mm. don't feel the same way. I know how to, I know what I need to do to not feel unhealthy, both physically Mm. and mentally. And just that huge shift. And I know through listening to, um, your podcast for years, Robin, like, I know there's so many guests that you have on that are like, I've had this aha health moment or this happened. And this is when I needed to shift my life. And, you know, I'm sad to say that kind of what happened to me, I was feeling this sort of like anxiety. And it was probably like knowing that I wasn't in the right lane for what I needed to do Mm work-wise and stressing myself to, to try to love it. And, you know, just everything combined together that Mm -hmm. just wasn't working. And so now I'm feeling much better now. Everything's great. And, uh, it's, it's a much better fit. Well, I'm grateful. And I think I've said this on the podcast for years. Like I'm grateful for the people that can, um, recognize that there's something happening. Like they, they have this gut feeling literally because there's Mm -hmm. issues in the gut that like something needs to change, but it doesn't have to be a huge life changing health diagnosis. And so that's, you know, if, if, if just from people listening to the podcast, you know, they hear like, oh, maybe I should pay attention to this and, and yeah. take care of myself a little differently than I did before. Like that's, that's everything to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so other than trying to take your 15 year old dog on a walk, what's your uh, weekly movement routine like? I, I love movement. I've always been super into movement ever since I was young. I was on, you know, sports teams and it's always been a huge part of my life. And I'm 
really happy that I've been able to continue um, prioritizing it throughout my university and throughout my adult life. So right now I'm really into spinning. I'm loving it. I kind of go through like ebbs and flows of (laughs) of what I'm like super into. At one point I was like yoga, yoga, yoga. Now I'm spinning. (laughs) So yeah, that's what I'm really loving right now and weight training, but it's always something every day I'm doing something, whether it's just a like a walk around the block or mm-hmm. a walk on a on a trail close to the house or yeah. my or my fitness class and even during the pandemic you know when we were lucky enough to have um, a home gym and so I was able to keep that up because that for me is a huge thing and I think you know I would have it would have contributed negatively to how I was feeling in an already stressful time but the movement yeah. for me is just so important and I think it's it's such a key part of my life yeah so you don't seem like a very stressed person now, um, but if you do develop any stress throughout the day, do you have any habits to kind of wind down in the evening? Yeah, so I am a big planner. And for me, uh, one of my like stress um, reducers, I guess, is just knowing that I have a plan. And so, you know, when I was having more stress and more anxiety, I would come back to myself and say, what's the worst that can happen? Mm-hmm. And that was kind of my like inner, inner dialogue. And, and you realize, okay, it's really not going to be that bad. And so everything is going to be fine. And I just, I love having a plan. I like having my agenda. I like planning things out. I used to be kind of resistant to change like growing up and stuff. I didn't like change. If we were having um, uh, ham and potatoes for dinner. And then we ended up having like steak. That was not okay. That I did not <laughs> like change. Um, so I've been really trying to let that go and embrace change and see change as a positive and tell myself like, you know, really amazing things can come out of change. And so yeah. for me, that is what I kind of do to help reduce stress. Like just knowing I have a plan, knowing that good, good things are coming. If I do feel stressed, I just like to kind of zen out at night, you know, just chill, get off the screens, relax. But I find just being able to to plan and, and talk about things and get excited about things, that's that's something that just helps me really reduce stress so I don't feel like I get built up stress. Yeah. Do you brain dump? Like, do you write out everything that's in your head sometimes and then try to organize it? You know, it's so funny. So I am like so into having an agenda. Like I have a like a physical like paper agenda. I'm really not into like the the online agendas and stuff. I do use my like Outlook calendar and stuff like that, but I love my paper agenda and I have all these notes in it. I've never really done full on journaling. And it's something that I, every month I tell myself, I need to start journaling. I need to start journaling, but I always am writing like notes in my agenda. I have so many loose leaf papers that I've stuck into my agenda. So I think that is my own version of journaling. I'm not sitting there with a prompt or anything like that, but just having like writing all these notes down to myself, that's kind of my, my brain dump or my journaling. Yeah, I do. Um, I've been using the desire bat planner for years Mm -hmm. and she just announced that she's not continuing it. And I've always said that I need to design my own planner. So I'm like, okay, it's time. Um, But there's always like a blank page at the start of the week. So I like dump down everything that I'm like thinking about working on, want to get done. And then I plan on a daily basis, three to, I used to do three things. Sometimes it's three to four things. Um, And so that's my way of like feeling a little organized, but yeah, journaling and just getting thoughts out on, on paper. That's been an amazing amazing routine for me. The other thing that I, I kind of like gathered as you were talking, tell me if this is true. Um, do you have trouble with spontaneity? Yes. 
Yeah. Is your husband, yeah. is your husband spontaneous? Um, yeah, probably more so than me, but I think most yeah. people would be. <laughs> he's not like spontaneous to the point where I'm like, okay, I am stressed out. Like I can't yeah. deal with this kind of thing, yeah. but um, he is in a way. Um, but yeah, I've always kind of had problems with that. I'm like, well, that wasn't part of the plan. It's kind of like if people eat brunch, I'm like, well, we need breakfast and lunch. Like even that is, is a That's lot. Stressful, but, right? Yeah, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to go with it. I remember, um, going on our honeymoon and we did a tour of Europe and we did, uh, we started in Poland. We went to Germany, Switzerland, uh, France, and I had a spreadsheet, like everything was planned yeah. out. Um, uh, and like the Airbnbs were booked ahead of time. Um, I knew like vaguely some things that I wanted to do in each city. And this was my way of being spontaneous is I didn't plan the restaurants out ahead of time. Um, but every time we went to a new city, I would be like on the train or the plane, I'd literally be Googling healthy restaurants, um, like (laughs) in each city. And then I would have my list. And so I would go on like TripAdvisor and I have my list. So that was my way of like being spontaneous is I would only research the restaurants like the day before. Um, That sounds like something I would do. Yes. My husband like made fun of me and I was like, well, I didn't plan everything to a T (laughs) and like we did random things, but it definitely stressed me out. There was, um, we were staying outside of Paris in a tree house uh, in the countryside and we were near Champagne region. So I was like, I want to go see Moet um, because I used to work for them. So I want, I want to see the house. Um, and then we finished that tour and we had extra time in the day. And so I was literally Googling like things to do. And I found another champagne tasting in a tree house. Um, and when we, when we got there it was closed, but there was a ropes course that was open and he's like, okay, let's go on the ropes course. I was like, that was not in the plan. (laughs) I'm not wearing clothes to go on a ropes course. And it was probably like one of the the best memories. So like, I, I'm good at adapting, but I don't love it. (laughs) Yeah. 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 No, I totally get that. Um, okay. Uh, just a few more questions before we wrap up. So we kind of talked about like different pieces of advice, but, um, what would you tell someone that's like on the verge of saying like, yes, I am an alpha female. So what piece of advice would you, would you give them? Oh, geez. What would I say? Honestly, I think I would just say, you know, just go for it and make, you can make any change you want to. I'd Mm -hmm. say, you know, just because your life looks a certain way right now, doesn't mean it always has to, it doesn't mean you can't make that change. Like really, you know, trust your gut. I'm, um, trust your instincts. You know, what's best for you. And I think that's kind of based on some of my experience and not always trusting my gut or not always embracing change. And now looking back and the times that I did, it's really worked out. And so I would say, honestly, like you can do anything and, and, and really just trust and believe that you can. And I was having a conversation about, um, trusting my gut to one of my friends and she's, uh, human design coach. And she said, Oh yeah, well, you're a generator. So you trust your God. And I was like, okay, <laughs> yeah, like sure. But, um, that's fair. So, Did you know that our last topic series was on human design? I had seen it. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't listened to all of them, but it's something that I think is super interesting. And I have a couple of friends that have, um, that are really into it and I've done some of their sessions and, uh, I love it. It's like, I love learning about it because it's such a different, a different topic. Yeah. And, uh, it's one of the, we've talked about gut a lot. Um, and I think it's the defined spleen. So like, if you have a defined spleen, you can, um, 
or it's, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to butcher this, but it's based on, I think it's your inner authority. So if you have a sacral inner authority, yeah. you make decisions really easy from your gut. And then if you have a spleen authority, you make emotional decisions. So I think those are the two different types. But um, Nadia, I think, talks about it in her podcast episode. And so that was really awesome. interesting um, to me uh, that like, just based on your human design, you make decisions differently. So yeah. if you if you have that sacral authority, then you know how to make just like gut decisions pretty easily. And then I shared with her that like, I haven't trusted that and I haven't made proper gut decisions. So like I've lost trust in myself and I'm having to like relearn that, um, ability. So I think that is amazing. But when you're in your like teens and your twenties, you haven't yet become jaded to, or like you haven't made wrong, the decisions that are wrong for you. Um, and so like, you still know how to trust yourself. And so when someone says like, trust your gut, that's a, that's a really interesting conversation for someone that's younger that hasn't, hasn't become jaded by wrong decisions, I think is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. And sometimes as you get older, it can be, it could be easier to trust your gut, but it can also be harder because you're like, ugh, you have like this mentality of like, well, I should be doing this, or this is the path that I think I should take, but that might be different than what, mm-hmm. what you're feeling. And so it's really trying to, trying to balance that too. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm a generator as well. So, um, I have to really, really manage my, my energy. I'm really trying to learn, um, that, I have so much energy and I can do so much, but I don't have to. Yeah. And you can just, just chill. And as soon as something doesn't light me up, I have to stop because that's when I burn out. If I'm working on something that I'm just trying to get done, I'm just trying to like get a check mark, um, on a to-do list or something, but I'm not feeling good. I have to stop because otherwise I'll run myself into the ground. Yeah. Um, I haven't asked this question in a while, but, um, it's always created really good conversations. So, um, is there any pain points in your life that you're currently problem solving for that you feel like you can share with the podcast listeners? Hmm. I think that, let me think about that. I think that, okay, well, one thing that I've been, I guess, trying to problem solve, um, but only really try to focus on more this year. So, last month I turned 30 and I feel like if now I'm in my thirties, I have this like new mindset of like, you know, letting things go and how to let things go. So I've always been kind of like, um, somebody who likes to take everything on. It's probably to do with my planner side of me and my need to be organized and stuff. So I'd be like the planner of the group of friends and I'd be organizing this, that, or the other thing. And now I've kind of just been like, you know what, this isn't always my problem. Like I need to just like kind of let things go in a variety of sense, like things that no longer serve me, norms that I think I should be accepting, you know, like new ways, like embracing new ways of doing things, embracing change, like I was mentioning before. So I think that's something like that I'm like, you know, problem solving for and trying to like figure out, okay, how do I, how do I just like, just go with it, you know, and, and let things go and not be so, you know, focused on, on this way or that way and just like really embracing it. And, and I'm like really trying. And I think that it's so far, um, it's been feeling good. I've been embracing new opportunities. I've been saying, you know what? No, I'm going to let somebody else do that. Let's say there's like a, I don't know, like a, an event to plan with like the group of girlfriends or something. Like, you know, somebody else can plan it. Like, I <laughs> no one's ever asked me to like, Hey, this is all your responsibility. It's just that like being me, I'm just like, Oh, I better do it. So I've been really trying to do that. And so I think that's probably something that I'm 
I don't know if it's really a pain point, but it's just something that I'm working on. Yeah. Awesome. Um, all right. Last question of the show. What is your definition of happiness? Ooh, I, I would love to say that for me, happiness is one word. It's just like fill in the blank, but I don't know. I, I have such a hard time just pinpointing one thing. I think for me, happiness is really being surrounded by people and that I love things that I love living a life that I love something that's really fulfilling to me. I, I love walking along the beach. Honestly, if I could just, you know, live by a beach and spend every morning doing a beach walk, I would, I find like when you look out at a huge body of water to me, that's where I just feel so happy. I'm actually in my office at home right now. And I have three photos of the beach on the wall and I'm just staring at them. And it just, it, it's like truly my happy place because you look out, you're on the beach, you're looking at this beautiful body of water. And all I see is like endless opportunities. Like you don't usually see things out there. You can't see the horizon. You don't see anything but blank space. And for me, it's just like, that symbolizes like being free to just dream and plan, mm. <laughs> plan, of course, set the best in <laughs> Gosh, I can't, even if I try, I can't help it. Um, you can't even relax by water. You're planning. <laughs> no, but like, you know, just being free to like have the life that you want and, and focus on what you want. And that's just kind of what I see. So I think all that to me is just like super happy. And yeah, yeah. that's awesome. I, uh, what's your Zodiac sign? I don't know if that is a Leo. Oh, interesting. Okay. But I don't know, like my rising, like I don't really yeah. go into dip any deeper. I just know Leo. I've um, I've just heard different things about like people that feel like a home near water. Um, and I'm the same way when we go up to the cottage, like I'm immediately walking down to the dock and I always take the same pictures every single time and post the same pictures to Instagram story because it's just like home to me. Um, and if I'm losing my shit and like the kids are crazy and I'm just like overwhelmed, we'll put them down for a nap. And then my husband's like, go down to the dock. I was like, yeah. okay. Fine. Fine. Happy place. <laughs> Being really horrible. Like I'll, I'll go meditate on the dock. Like no problem. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm like that too. We all, we go to Florida. It's kind of our, our happy place in Treasure Island, Florida. And I, I have probably like a hundred photos of just the same beach, the same <laughs> view, the same sunset. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. When I, uh, when I did my yoga teacher training in Bali, like every single morning I went for a walk on the beach, like it was non-negotiable. Um, mm -hmm. and I just sat and watched the sunrise over the ocean. And it was just like, okay, this is nice. And then every night watching the sunset, same thing. It's just yeah. like being near water. I've told my husband that like our dream home is a mountain home with mountains in the back. And I have to have water in front of me, whether it's a yeah. lake or an ocean, I, I, but I need to have water in front of me. Um, and that's our, that's our dream place. So, oh, I love it. Yeah. So awesome. Nice. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, where can people find you? Do you spend a lot of time on Instagram? Yeah. So I do spend a lot of time on Instagram at Wall Street, Ottawa. I'm also on LinkedIn, um, from time to time, but not as much. Um, and I have a website too, that they can find me at, uh, wellstreetfinancial.ca. And so, um, yeah, but, but Instagram is probably where I'm the most active and I, I love posting, you know, tips and tricks, uh, on, um, finances and just like, you know, I sometimes do like silly reels just to, you know, lighten it up, but just to kind of share, empower and educate. That's what I, what I love to do. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been fun.
Have you downloaded the Work-Life Harmony Worksheet yet? In this free guide, I walk you through how to optimize five key areas of your life so that you can start designing your own work-life harmony. So from nutrition to supplements, sleep, stress management, and reducing your toxic load, I share tips and tricks that get you thinking on how you can optimize your life currently. So I ask you simple questions that just get you to rethink different aspects of your life. I walk you through a prioritization exercise so you can figure out which area of your life you actually want to maybe overhaul or tackle or just make small changes in first. So you can download that over at bit.ly forward slash work life harmony worksheet, all one word, bit.ly forward slash work life harmony worksheet. Thank you for listening to the Alpha Female Podcast. Be sure and visit robinbaldwin.com. That's Robin with a Y, B-A-L-D-W-I-N for access to show notes and other amazing blogs. If you loved this episode of the Alpha Female Podcast, be sure to head on over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review so more amazing Alpha Females are able to find this content. It's so very much appreciated that you take this small effort to help this show succeed.